Welcome to Chat Shit, where we're asking the media very, very politely to give up harassing Meghan Markle for Lent. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Lisa, Lisa told me like two, two minutes ago, she's like, I have a banger of an opener this week. <laughs> I was literally like sitting around fuming all week. Every time I see that poor woman's face, there's so much aggro in the comments and you're just like, She's just a pregnant woman. Stop commenting yeah. on her and her husband's weird feet. There's so much obsession. I do not what? get it. Oh, did you not see all those comments? There was like, clearly Harry has issues with his feet. The I did he's... not see this. Oh, my, oh my favourite uh, article about oh. Meghan Markle um, is, do you know that like comparison article where I think the one about Kate Middleton was like, Kate Middleton eats very healthy avocados, spreads them on the toast for her kids. Woohoo! And then for Meghan Markle, it's like, how dare Meghan Markle eat a fruit that is ruining the world? And it's like, ah, oh, Jesus, I'll just give it a rest. Which is, I know, it just everyone just needs to chill. To be honest, I just can't. I actually feel so bad for them, and I know I shouldn't feel bad for them because they're very, very rich royals. <laughs> but I'm just like, ah, oh, Jesus, would you just give in? Like, uh, yeah, I feel like she in particular just doesn't stand the chance because I like isn't there loads of other stuff going on with her own family yeah and then you've got the royals on your back and it's like oh my god this poor woman to be fair to them it must be true love and that's rare in royal marriages so you know honestly like if I was dealing with that shit I'd be like see you Harry good luck (laughs) speaking of like mad crazy relationship stories we have been dying to get to talking about conversations with friends casting there is Alison Oliver, who's the only Irish person cast. Um, and then there is Jemima. What's her name? What's her name? No, it's Sasha. Oh, <laughs> no, I thought it was the other girl. The other woman oh, is called Jemima. Yeah, Jemima Kirk. Yeah. So she's playing the older woman. Joe Alwyn is playing the lad. And then the lad. Sasha Lane <laughs> is playing Bobby. Yeah. So now that's all out. What are your thoughts? We were asking our Instagram followers and there was some very, like very varied takes, which I really enjoyed. Will we do a rundown of what people said on Instagram? Yeah, I kind of know it off the top of my head. So people were happy that there was a person of colour in the main four, which is great. It is yeah, it is really class. important. Um, and I think it was a good choice. Um, also, I think it would be weird if, if it wasn't. Like, isn't it set in Dublin? Like, Dublin's so diverse. Yeah. It'd be really weird to just not have a, a lead of, of colour. Like, it'd be yeah. bizarre choice. Um, then the other major things were Joe Alwyn is hot, Taylor Swift, question mark. Uh, <laughs> that was like... I can't wait for Taylor Swift to just be fucking arson about Dublin. Like, what is she going to sing about? Like, the Hapenny Bridge. Like, it's going to be so fun. Oh my God, yeah, I totally forgot that she might get hashtag spotted about the place. Yeah, yeah her, like, her, we're going to get an album out of this. This is going to be great. The Liffy's going to be in the background of her next album cover. I wonder, did they get him so that they could get her on the soundtrack? That's, yeah, that was what somebody said to me and I was like, that would be a nightmare. But who was I talking to that was discussing Joe Alwyn being too young to play this role? I someone's, don't know, but I totally someone's agree. Someone's hot take was that. Yeah, I think um, he does look isn't a bit the, young. The age difference between Francis and him is meant to be very obvious. It does not look it. Yeah, he and it's just like I, I suppose it's not his fault. He actually is just very young looking, isn't he? Um, yeah, and most the biggest reaction we got was there is not much Irish talent here. Obviously, it's fantastic for Alison Oliver, who is yeah, oh really, my god, really great actress. Buzzing for Alison Oliver. I'd be so interested though, and I'd see will 
a female Irish lead get the same attention that Paul Mescal got. You know they won't. You know they won't. As I I'm previously hopeful. mentioned. I'm hopeful that she will though. Well, this is the problem. When you are an Irish actor who's good looking, your whole thing becomes, wow, an Irish actor who's good looking. You can be as good looking as anyone. And when you're an Irish woman, it will not matter because... It just, it, they'll be going around asking you to pronounce the word Saoirse and Nisha and whatever the fuck else. <laughs> because that's what they've done to poor Elsie Sharonan. And you're just like, yeah. I actually feel bad for her. She's one of the people I actually think we should have the justice for uh, section on. Because yeah. she actually deserves so much better from the Irish public. She's become it an is... ambassador to Ireland rather than an actress from Ireland. And it's, yeah. it's so frustrating because like, she obviously, and you can see it in her in interviews, like she wants to talk about her career, she wants to talk about whatever movie she is on to promote, but they're asking her to pronounce her name, and it's like, this joke is like 10 years old. Yeah. Like, she has been acting for how many years now, and they're still asking her the same questions in interviews. And it's so frustrating, and I was just going to say, like, when you are mentioning, like, hopefully Alison Oliver will be this, you know, big person, like Paul Meskel is, but like, I was thinking, like, who's the last person we have from here who is Irish and a woman to be at that level. And it, it probably is Saoirse. Like, there's been no one since. I can't yeah. name someone off the top of my head who is as big as her at such a young age. It seems like, as a country, Ireland's very good at producing, like, lusty male romantic leads. And then they yeah. just drop the ball when it comes to women. I just would... Oh, I think one of the... It is very, very frustrating looking at that cast list and seeing three times the amount of international talent than Irish talent. Yeah, it's like there's so few opportunities for Irish actors to get on an international stage. And like, you know, they don't need to be bringing in these massive, already incredibly successful actors to be in a show here to get attention for it. Like they they nailed it with normal people by taking people who weren't at that level yet and using the Irishness of it to make people here love it. And like when people, I feel like when Irish people love something, they're really passionate about it. And that obviously escalated it to like an international level. People were like, oh, what's this show that Ireland are like fucking raving over? Yeah, true. You know, they don't need these massive names. Like when I seen Jemima Kirk on it, I was like, what? I have to, my controversial take is I'm probably only going to watch it because I'm stuck in lockdown. Because that's what happened with normal people. Oh my God really did not like the book normal people I know I shouldn't be spreading the negativity it just wasn't for me and I know that like it it meant a lot to a lot of people and a lot of Irish people particularly felt very seen by the text Mm. it just wasn't for me um yeah it just wasn't what I would normally enjoy so I was the same with the book I I read the book very very last minute before the show came out it was like two years late to the party Mm. um and I was the same with the book. It's just, and I know everyone says it, it's, this isn't a hot take, but like the lack of punctuation in it, <laughs> I just found it like, like I'm, you know, from listening to us, like I'm not the biggest reader in the whole world. And I just found it, made it very difficult to read because as a person who already has to sometimes read a page twice because of just getting distracted, I found myself reading some pages like four times because I didn't know who was talking. And it just like, do you know when people say like websites aren't user friendly? Like the book's not user friendly. But I did think like it worked as a show. I thought it worked really well as a show. It was very like Archie it was different as a show, I thought. It's a little bit A24. So, I have to like disclaimer, haven't actually read Conversations with Friends, 
I feel like I've read it because all of my friends have and talk about it. And actually, specifically recently, uh, a listener of the podcast who I work with, Sarah, who friend of the pod, Sarah Sarah. was reading it. Yeah, friend of the pod, Sarah. I just remember before our work closed, I remember going in one day and in the staff room, Sarah was reading conversations with friends and she was loving it she's like have you ever read it and she's like oh it's amazing like it's so good the characters are so good and then the next day I went in she had just finished it and she's like oh my god I hated the ending of that she's like that is awful and it was so funny because then I was like ah sure I'm not gonna read it then I will just wait for the show yeah why would you invest in something that when we know we usually are fans of what Sarah's reading you always come yeah. to me and you're like Sarah's reading this and so you yeah. were like really like oh that's cool but that but was I have fun. to say like I am excited for the show like I isn't it it's about like people who do like poetry nights in Dublin and stuff isn't that like what the main character does um She's I'm a also I'm not a hundred percent sure because I've only I've not I've not read it either, which is a spicy thing. I think look um, at us, the experts, not reading it. Yeah, look at us having huge opinions and nothing to base. Well, it on. to be fair, I do live with Eva Daly, and she has regaled the plot to me in great detail over a bottle of wine. So that is oh why God. I haven't read it because I was like, well, I just that doesn't sound like it's for me. As far as I'm aware, it's about two girls who are friends who I think went out at some stage. They're both writers, I think, or one's a writer, and they somehow come in contact with like an older. Think I think they're married couple. It is married couple, yeah. Married couple, which is Jemima Kirk and Joe Alwyn, and he she does they, look a little bit like his babysitter. To be fair, she need, like he should have been older. I just feel like every time I see yeah. a picture of him in the cast list, I'm like, wow. Yeah, yeah. No, do you know what? I might it. actually Wait. read it, and then we can talk about it. We, then we can like yeah dreamcast joe alwyn's character maybe we'll come out of it and be like no like joe alwyn is perfect joe, joe alwyn flawless not just uh yeah i just, just i think of him as so it. young yeah i suppose as well as that like, he's dating someone who's like so young to us i feel like taylor swift is like our age in my own brain yeah in my brain taylor swift and me are like buddies same age yeah turning 25 this year like <laughs> um we've been thinking a lot this week after the britney documentary yeah, this week we're just thinking a lot about women who are wronged. <laughs> There's been too many women who've There's been There's been far too many, but the Britney documentary just like, it just really highlighted it. So if you haven't heard about this, it is, it was a documentary commissioned and made, I think, by the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And it follows what is going on with Britney Spears right now. And basically, she has been in this thing called a conservatorship since 2008 i was aware of the conservatorship but didn't know it was happening for that long yeah it's been ages what this is is basically a written agreement done through the courts that puts someone else in charge of her finances and her medication and like yeah basically her entire life and the person who it has been signed over to is her dad who when this was first happening she specifically said that she did not want her dad in charge of this and I wasn't aware of this. Like, I, I know very little about Britney. I, like, I know her music. I know what she looks like. Don't know the girl's history. And it was so interesting to, like, learn all of that. And, like, her dad was totally out of the picture for years and years and kind of just a- appeared back when money started appearing in her life. And it's just very odd that he took over her finances. And, like, even just the word conservatorship I have such a issue with. Like, I don't know if we even have that here. But they're talking in the documentary about how it's normally... A thing reserved for 
say you know if a family member has dementia or alzheimer's and they really are incapable of managing their medication and managing in their which, finances in which case it makes perfect sense like for it, it makes sense it totally to do. does make sense but only when a person is that far gone mm-hmm. from being able to do those things but like oh conservatorship like what does that word like that word reminds me of like conservation and animals like that makes me think of people literally being caged and that is what it is like it is Mm. that it is that strange and like the whole thing of her not being of the right mind to be able to do those things is such bullshit because Britney Spears was still touring the world she was still making albums still releasing music still running marketing campaigns after this thing was brought in so if a woman can do all of that she is of her right mind definitely yeah, have a right mind enough to do those things the big thing is is that jamie spears is benefiting off of putting his daughter on tour while also saying that she's mentally incapable to do the most basic things yeah that's that's the weird thing about it like her dad signs this thing that he will be in control of her finances and basically is directing the money straight to himself and then yeah sending her out to do all these tasks to make money for him it's so freaky do you think it ends on a kind of a positive note like is it hopeful towards the end that she will get out of this or what is it um, kind of the vibe not necessarily it the as the documentary goes on it sort of focuses on the fans who have made it kind of their life's work to free bit free britney yeah because like, you know like everyone's heard of this free britney thing but i didn't i didn't actually take that seriously because i didn't know that much about it but i remember when britney started posting kind of just odd videos on her Instagram. Was it like last year or the year before? Yeah. And it was like, it was definitely pre-COVID when she posted them. So it was even weirder. Like I kind of expect weird at the minute, but like she's just like in her house and sort of vacantly staring into the camera and maybe doing like a a creepy little dance. And you're just like, something's amiss here. Cause like, and she'll have been fine the previous day. And it's like the Free Britney people are basically looking for coded messages in anything that Britney posts as to like getting her out like her wanting to leave this and there I think there was a positive development in the court case last week um we should follow up on this and mention it next week because I think that some something definitely changed last week because I went and followed um there's a fan account actually for Free Britney that they talk about in the documentary like they interview lots of fans and stuff and I went and followed that account and they were sort of put, they give live updates on what's happening and everything. But it's just so interesting because, you know, they, they, they interview people who are really close to Britney, like her personal assistant. And like, she's actually just a family friend who ended up being employed um, to stay with her when she was quite young. She's so against it. And she's like, it is fucked. And, and Britney is locked down in this. Like, it's not something that she wants to be part of. And it's just really scary that that can happen to someone. Yeah, it's really, really freaky. I I know this also, like, the documentary also led to the backlash against Justin Timberlake a fair bit. Mm, Rightly so. Yeah, because, like, that whole Janet Jackson thing as well was, like, a farce. Like... I I actually didn't know the Janet Jackson story until watching the Britney documentary and then looking it up. um, You're wrong about, actually, had a great podcast about it. I might see if I can find it and put it down in the link because, oh, my God, it is just infuriating that something like that could happen to you and your entire career is absolutely altered and he wouldn't even admit that it was like kind of his fault it was just like yeah his whole career 
yeah his whole career is just totally built on like putting women down and being un- unapologetic about it and like mm. I know he brought out this like really to be fair to him but obviously it wasn't him it was someone who works for him really well worded apology on his Instagram yeah. I thought but like if it takes you this long to make that apology for something that was very clearly wrong when it even happened yeah it's like how, how valuable is his apology right now like he's like he, it's not going to ultimately change the careers of Britney or Janet it's actually just going to yeah. make a couple of his fans stick around him for longer because they're like well he said sorry yeah yeah oh well he said sorry that's always the way yeah well there's two sides what? to every story Mm. oh my god the worst sometimes the other side is not good (laughs) yeah yeah literally like but um this got us thinking during the week like about other people who have basically been wronged by other celebrities but the stuff like over the years that women have had to deal with is just total bullshit so we put it up on the instagram ali actually went we put it up on the instagram we got loads of responses and ali went and categorized them (laughs) we love an organized queen (laughs) Well, I categorised them to an extent. So, um, one of them that came up quite a bit that people wrote in, and I was aware of this one, is Serena Williams. And, and so this, this week is, this more is the than sports any. section. Yeah. This is the sports category. Yeah, this week, like, there's just so much shit that she has to put up with. Like, this woman is literally, like, a world champion of tennis, and the stuff that she has to put up with is insane compared to her white counterparts. Like, there's one specific um thing that happened that I always think about where I think was it like two or three years I don't think it's that even that long ago. It wasn't that like, long ago she threw, threw her, down the, her the racket. racket wasn't it? She yeah. threw the racket on the ground and people all over the internet, all the papers were like, She is so aggressive, she is so arrogant, like this carry on it shouldn't be expected from, you know, someone at the height of their sport. And then when a white woman does it, it's literally not even commented on. Because, like, you can also totally agree and be like, yeah, that was a bit dodgy, Serena. You shouldn't have smashed your racket in front of everyone. But also, it is just hypocrisy when literally this week a white woman did it and they didn't, they couldn't treat her the same as they treated Serena, apparently, because she didn't break her racket. Because it's like, well, she didn't break it. She was just expressing frustration. But thankfully, it does seem that like a lot of the commenters on those posts were in defense of Serena, which is nice. Thank, Thank Christ. God. About time. Another woman that came up in relation to sports is Simone Biles. And this is like less so commenting on like aggression and stuff. But she is like ripped apart pretty like frequently for being too cocky and too confident and it's like Simone Biles literally can do moves that have been banned because no one else can do them like, there is she has men moves out there. named after her there's men out there with no skills who have more confidence than her and people are like good man yourself yeah and it's just like I just don't get it like and it happens just so much with sports like first of all women's sports are barely they're barely televised we really do need to do a and whole episode this. on this yeah we're, we're definitely going to do a women in sports thing because it's something I'm very passionate about. Something that makes our blood boil. <laughs> we want to share with you all. Yeah, honestly, you can probably hear the frustration in our voices right now talking about this. Uh, um, yeah, they were the ones that came up in sports. Then one that just c- came up that I thought was quite similar to Brittany was you actually mentioned the Olsen twins. And yes. this one's just proper creepy. So when you watch the, the Brittany documentary, there's a whole section 
about this image that Britney had to uphold, like that she was this really naive little like virgin girl. Yeah. And then the minute she dropped the Hit Me Baby One More Time video, people were like, she is a slut. This is so provocative. Like, this is so promiscuous. And it's like, what do you want from her? Like, like what and do you want? It is the exact same thing with the Olsen twins. It's like, they will only ever be what the public want them to be when they're childlike and innocent, even when they're adults. Yeah. But there was the, the creepy thing as well, like, when the Olsen twins were about to turn, was it when they were turning 18? Yes, it was called the Playboy Legal Countdown. Yeah, so when they were about to turn of legal age, there was a countdown on the internet done by these, like, creepy men. As if, like, the minute these women turn 18 that they're going to ride them. Like, it. How how many levels of fucked up is that? Like, that is... And like I was reading, this was actually in that um, All the Lives I Want book. Mm-hmm. And oh, so the good. writer talks about being in, yeah, so good. There's a whole chapter on this actually. And she talks about being in NYU at the same time as the Olsen twins, at the same time that this was happening. And how it wasn't just these creepy men on the internet that were counting down. It was men that they were in college with. And yeah, like, and like she, she described this scene of going to a party um in a like a kind of a fratty house and they had pictures of mary kate and ashley all over the walls as like a haha can't wait till they're legal sort of a way and it's just so creepy it's so creepy like it's just like what do you want like women can't be one or the other and it's like Mm. where like what do you want them to be um but yeah i thought that one sort of was similar to that we already talked about Meghan markle she came up quite a bit Mm -hmm. um then another for very good reason another one that came up well actually this is a this is a bunch of people is just like celebrities who have had you know daily mail cover stories and stuff about them when they were clearly suffering from some kind of mental illness but it was made into a joke like Mm -hmm. they were made a laugh of for something that they did that was clearly to do with something that they had going on at the time and like the, the list is like kind of endless when it comes to this one like Winona Ryder's one, Demi oh, yeah. Lovato, Miley Cyrus, Amanda Bynes, like, and it's just like they they were caught off guard for like a one off event every so often that would like make the cover of things and rip to shreds. Then and like, yeah, that's only gonna make things like this worse for them. Mm. Yeah, there was one I also actually was thinking about, um, because last week Katie Price was on the Late Late. Oh my god, yeah. Now, I was watching the Late Late with my family at home and when she came on, she was on like a Zoom call with Ryan and she goes, hello Ryan! And my mom goes, oh, that's really aggressive. <laughs> I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, you are so... Like, it was such a... like, And my mother would never like be quite a judgmental person. I was like, that's a person who is on Zoom talking to Ryan Tuberty. And because she spoke up, you yeah. said that and I was like that is such a, I, I pointed out to her and I was like you are having complete bias because I was like my mom also works in special needs education and the reason Katie Price was on was to promote a documentary about special needs education for her child who has now turning yeah. 18 and I was like this is such an interesting topic and you've completely gone out the, out the second out the door she even spoke you dismissed her as aggressive because of the way she looks and like it actually boils my blood because like Katie Bryce is kind of an icon and she is slept on. 
She she actually is, yeah. I yeah. actually love anytime she's on anything, I will watch it. People like her and Queen Paris Hilton do so much to advocate for people who have disabilities or are victims of like so much like there's so much things they do as uh, use their platform for good and they are just shat upon by the media for being bimbos because they conform to what is seen as traditionally sexy oh i actually another person that i'm only thinking about this one like in regards to someone who does so much to help people but is ripped apart for being a bimbo is dolly parton for like decades like people only talk about her tits like you know what that woman is literally supplying the world with books she's fucking curing covid and all people had to talk about was the size of her boobs for years and it's really sad the part of the reason that is clearly happening is because she's aging so you can't sexualize her as much so like yeah yeah it's like people are only beginning to take notice of her advocacy and like amazing work outside of her music industry and like the career that she's built for herself because you can't call her a sexy slut anymore because she's literally the same age as your granny it is horrific it's so horrific like and I was listening to a podcast this week and like obviously we're talking about women specifically because it's a very certain type of way that they are written about in relation to these things but obviously shit like this happens with men as well and I was listening to a podcast this week with Liam Payne from One Direction you all know I love One Direction <laughs> um and it was it was actually just really interesting it was Liam on the Jack Mate podcast and he was sort of talking about how when he was in One Direction and it's it's kind of scary like I didn't know any of this stuff but when he was in One Direction at the very beginning of the band they were quite rowdy and Simon Cowell and Psycho etc sat them down well sat Liam down one day and were like look you're the most responsible one out of this group you're gonna have to take the blame for a lot of things in the future and you're gonna have to be the one that people aren't gonna like because we're just gonna have to put it on one of you so that it's not put on all of you and he had to take on that role. So anything that ever went wrong with the band in the press was always put back on Liam. And Liam had to deal with it and he had to be the spokesperson. I feel like, it was Liam talking now, but I feel like Louis probably had a bit of this as well. Because it's like they were almost like the leaders of the band, I suppose. Like the spokespeople whenever anything like that was brought up. Yeah. But he was talking then about how later on in the band, when you know things were sort of fading out, like they were about to finish, Zane had left, etc., he sort of went a little bit off the rails. He, he struggled with like alcohol and stuff. And then when the band ended, he was left basically with, you know, alcohol addiction and like this identity crisis because he'd always had the band. Yeah. And he's talking about how when he left, he didn't even know what he liked. Like, because he was basically taken out of school at 16, put into a band for 10 years and then that's all gone. And he's like, I literally did not even know what I liked. I didn't know what my hobbies were. I didn't know how to go to the supermarket and it's like it's so horrible and then like all the stuff that's written about him even like like he actually I remember got a lot of stuff about his weight and it's like why why and he specifically made a really good point which leads on to like the other guy that first came to mind to me anyway when I thought of this is he was talking about Justin Bieber and how although he struggled so much with like One Direction he did have four people to turn to who'd gone through the exact same experience as him but he was like he recently he was talking about how he'd recently gotten to actually have a proper sit down chat with Justin Bieber and how Justin Bieber didn't actually have anyone to turn to when he sort of went off the rails as they say and Mm -hmm. like that got me thinking like Justin Bieber really was like the first 
massive YouTube star. There was no one who had become a, a singer on his level from YouTube. So it wasn't even that he could turn around to just another random YouTube star. He couldn't, like, there was no one at his level, even, like, you know, music-wise, who was so famous that he could turn to, like, there was just no one. Yeah, Sean and... Mendes was too busy being a fetus. <laughs> yeah, Sean Mendes too busy sucking Camila Cabello's foot. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that picture? No, I thought that was a joke. Oh, my God, no. send Please don't send he that picture, picture to me. picture. He was sucking feet on Maine. He put up a picture the Yikes. other day on his Instagram. <laughs> People who do that, couple. couples who do that need to be stopped unless it's ironic. And even when it's ironic, sometimes it's not done well enough for it to be known that it's ironic. And that's even worse. I thought it was a joke, but um, I think it was a pretty serious bit. It might have actually been on Valentine's Day that he posted it. It was, it was recent. I only, I could, couldn't really come up with much men either, which is totally unsurprising. Because there's so many women out there, like, even yeah. as we previously mentioned, Taylor Swift, like you're like, yikes, Lily Allen. Oh, my God. Her book is shocking the way she was treated. Um, <clears throat> Laura Dern. Laura Dern had a massive gap in her career because she played a lesbian. He, she played Ellen's girlfriend. And yeah. she went from like the massive fame of Jurassic Park to having no job offers. But then I was like sitting around being like, what man? <laughs> pick a man what yeah it actually was hard and like i probably would have struggled to think of a man who's been like to the same extent ripped apart by the media if i hadn't listened to that podcast yeah i think my my man is a controversial man it's bono because yeah we can all sit around and shout at him because he doesn't pay his taxes but you know how even earlier on we were speaking about how when irish people get behind something they really get behind it yeah they just decided to do the fucking opposite with you too didn't they like our generation yeah. anyways like i like you have to admit you two is one of the most popular rock bands in the world and rock stars do mad shit but anytime bono does anything they're like fucking pox and you're like okay yeah. i totally get that he should be paying more tax and he is like you know that's a, a whole separate issue and i totally get that people can comment that he's a bit of a white savior but for the time he was doing pretty amazing work like yeah also like so many like companies and people in this country don't pay tax yet he's the only one that i actually hear about all of the time another thing is as well right if like obviously people call him out for being a white savior and all this jazz but there was more than just him and bob geldof playing at live aid irish people just hate their own a little bit sometimes um i don't know i just i do kind of feel bad because like from everything i've heard he seems like a very genuine yeah i feel like anyone who knows bono has nothing bad to say about him. And also, like, he is a genuine rock star and people just take the piss because he's an Irish rock star. Then it got me thinking as well when you were talking about, like, mental health and stuff. I think when it comes to women's mental health a lot of the time, um, women are beaten up for it. And when it comes to men, they're actually laughed at. And that allows mm. them not to suffer as much, but also it suffers them then in silence because they're not even able to speak about it. And a perfect yeah. example of this is James Acaster talking about his... um the meme of him like was making it had a breakdown bon appetit thing and he was like i actually was having such a difficult time i called the samaritans on set of bake-off but that's what that's what people remember they remember the funny oh my god yeah he he openly talks about it quite eloquently but um i read his book this week perfect sounds whatever um and he talks a lot about mental health in it i was like, I, I know that a lot of his comedy does deal with his mental health, but this was very frank and very honest. Um, mm. He, it's kind of, so if anyone knows familiar with his work, he, he has this, like, 
running theory that 2016 is the best year of all time for music so he goes through the music from the different albums of 2016 but he's also talking about his mental breakdown basically throughout 2017 so right at the top of the year his long-term girlfriend broke up with him he began getting in a really tricky relationship with his agent basically everything started to kind of Mm. crumble a bit um and it led to a really really bad spell with his mental health um so it's it's just a really interesting mix of like personal essay from his point of view and his deep love for the music that he was interested in at the time so mm. he actually like goes and interviews bands and talks to them and be like was like is really interested in where the music came from and like how things come about so it's super technical in a really really interesting way so like it'll be like him talking about like this trip to somewhere that he had a really really bad time on and this album that he found and then he'll talk to the person on who wrote the album and they were also having this like mad time and it just this like art kind of brought them together a bit um it's brilliant if you're one of those people who loves a good spotify deep dive it is full of great recommendations i literally have a list and i'm going through them because some of the albums in it you would never have heard of otherwise i don't think he's really really he knee deep that boy deep but um yeah i think it's just a really good example of like how men's mental health is so often treated as a joke until it's too late yeah and like he was he will even admit it seems that he he was very very lucky to be in the situation he was in where you know he was relatively financially stable he had a counselor although his counselor in it oh my god there's a spicy story about his counselor his counselor was doing lots of work with him or whatever and then she basically became fixated on him becoming more famous because he heard that he had the deal with netflix and basically oh, only what? wanted to talk about him becoming famous. So like everything he brought up to the counsellor and she was like, yeah, that's anxiety in relation to you becoming famous because you're going to have a Netflix special. And she became very, very bizarre. And he basically had a bad breakup with his first counsellor and he talks all about that too. So I definitely Yikes. think if anyone is um, interested in hearing more, either uh, you could, even if you're just interested in the albums there's so much, but like it's also a really great personal essay about quite a tough time, but told very like, funnily and interestingly so yeah, yeah it was definitely something different I did not see that coming <laughs> I was watching something really different there oh. recently um that I thought I would talk about on here so I was watching Blackpink's documentary on Netflix oh so if you're listening and you don't know who Blackpink are they are a k-pop band uh with four members girl band uh, the members are Jisoo, Jenny, Rose and Lisa. And yeah, I was, I, I think I was like having lunch one day and you know when you open Netflix and there's something on the homepage and like this trailer automatically starts playing. It was like one of those things. I was like, oh, that yeah. looks kind of cool. I had heard one Blackpink song before this and I still loved the documentary. I knew nothing about them. And it is basically like a deep dive into the inner workings of the K-pop industry, which I also knew nothing about. So, the way it works... Have you ever seen anything about this? I've read a lot about it, but it seems like every time I read about it, there's new information. It feels like it's actually going to be one of those things that's going to go on for years until we realise the extent of how poorly these artists were treated. But what was it saying in your one? I think the aim of this documentary is nearly to say that it isn't that bad. The tone of it is kind of weird, but we'll get to that. Um, So, yeah, it takes you through, like, 
how k-pop bands are formed which i knew nothing about so basically there's these like open scouting day things that happen around the place like literally all over asia where people perform and then their talent scouted the best ones and are brought off to korea to basically go through a boot camp of making them like the perfect performer so they're taught like dancing they're taught singing they're you know encouraged to come up with their own sort of personal look and everything it's kind of like the x-factor on speed this is exactly it and like if you think that x-factor looks tough like (laughs) this is like a whole other level and it's mad like it's basically like and they go and they're very young but it's basically Mm. like a a talent boarding school like they're there for years it's not like a couple of weeks like they it's like school and it's like 14 hour days of perfecting dance routines of like competing against each other there is like days where you know there's evaluations and stuff it's absolutely nuts um but it talks about like the girls in it talk about how they sort of became a band and it was you know they they obviously struggled from homesickness they were teenagers and they were so far from home and they they all sort of relied on each other just for comfort and that like they were all doing this together and they do talk about it as being like incredibly tough and incredibly scary but it seems like there's an attitude of like we just wanted this so much that it didn't matter like it actually just didn't matter how tough it was and like it worked for them it worked out like so they're obviously a band now they're the first k-pop group to play coachella they're huge they've done world tours but it's it's just I found it really interesting to watch because they're just sort of talking a lot about you know how body image is such a massive thing for them like all of the issues that they face in because the band is huge like they're so huge and like it seems like there's a massive sort of like fan culture around them in Asia and they're they're really expected to be these like perfect role models and you know like that's like an age-old thing in these sort of fan documentaries like oh my god I have to be a role model now like do I sacrifice my actual self the articles I was reading were um very heavily uh linked to like suicides in the groups because they're like people cannot handle the pressure because they're pushed into this from like such a young age yeah and it is like it is complete striving for perfection that's what it is yeah it's yeah it's it's very much about like training to be perfect which is like super scary but like the girls themselves are really fucking cool and i think like what i did kind of know of blackpink before is like just kind of what they look like and what their music is like i'd never actually seen any interviews with them um or anything about what they were like and it kind of seems like they were actually a little bit closed off Mm. in those regards and this was maybe the first major insight into what they were like yeah um but they're all really really cool and like one thing that i do really like about the band in it is that you know like obviously they're encouraged to have a certain personality in the band but it seems like all of their personalities within the band are actually super authentic and very much just themselves and they they just are really different people and it's yeah i really like them and i would i would definitely say watch it it's just it was really it's just so interesting. It's just a whole different world. You know, obviously we get bands that are manufactured by people like Louis Walsh, etc. Imagine Louis Walsh doing K-pop. I would die. Imagine Louis Walsh doing K-pop. But I feel like, you know, that's what we imagine training to be in a band is. But over there, it's so different. Like, you have your your debut, your first debut as a band where you're basically put in front of all the media and right there and then they decide if you're a flop or not yikes like it's so much pressure so so much pressure but like it definitely seems like when it works it works Mm -hmm. but then 
yeah the really like tragic side of it is like when it doesn't work it's really bad but i you know like i was reading a review of it where it was like they're basically trying to tackle the westernized view of it being just a bad thing yeah but like you can look at our sort of media and how bands are formed here and how they're made famous and uh, like as we were just talking about like one direction for example they struggle too they can be equally it's as just, toxic yeah it can it's... be just as toxic um so yeah i thought it was really interesting talking about that hmm my netflix rec for the week is actually much more chill <laughs> so if you're not in the mood to talk about the k-pop industry in deep detail um i have a recommendation that I watched like maybe a week and a half ago because and I'm reminded to bring it up on the podcast because um absolute queen Mindy Calling shut down a gator on Twitter this week and I literally like part of my soul went up to heaven when I saw this tweet this fucking loser called Josh tweeted (laughs) starring Mindy Calling and then at the bottom there was a a gif and it was Steve Carroll from The Office. Steve Carell? Steve Carell? Carell, yeah, I think Steve Carell. Steve Carell, it's like a meme from him shouting, no, right? <laughs> and she retweeted it with, the, it was so good, like it couldn't have been more perfect. I wrote this episode of The Office. You know, it's, I wrote Fucking the legend. episode of The Office that this gif is from. It was just <laughs> peak hot girl shit. I was like, oh, so. Oh, her, what a um, destroying day. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, Pussy Destroyer, Mindy. But uh, her film Late Night was recently put on Netflix and it was just a bit of a bloody laugh. It was, she wrote it and she's in it and Emma Thompson's also in it with her. Um, And Emma Thompson- What a random cast. It's so, it works so well. You you should watch it because it's very like, what the fuck, but also works so well. So Emma Thompson is this like nightmare late night talk show host who's a bit of a wagon. And she has right. an all-male writer's room. And one of them calls her out for, like, being anti-feminist. So she oh. fires him and is like, hire me a woman. And it just so happens that they hire this woman who is, like, totally not qualified, but totally lovable and fun. And it's Mindy Calling. So it's oh. two queens learning. And it is great. It's just, like, fun, daft, kind of iconic. We love supporting female directors because it's directed by uh, Nisha Ganatara I believe uh, who also directed episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine so it's like really sharp comedy it's very good Um, if you liked actually set it up last week it was very similar vibes okay is it Netflix it it is Netflix yeah it's only been on it like a week or so it's fun I laughed very cool um and then actually, speaking of, when we were talking about the Olsen twins earlier on in the week, I mentioned WandaVision to you. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to admit I had totally... The other Olsen. <laughs> yeah, the other Olsen, who is doing so well. Um, I totally, I'm going to put my hands up here and say I wrote off WandaVision. I watched an episode and I was like, okay, I see that they're doing something really stylish. It's really pushing the boat. But nothing really happened in the first episode. And I was like, okay... Mm, unfortunate (laughs) but then I went back and watched the second episode and I was like okay it's picking up a bit and then because we had nothing else to do because we're in a fucking global pandemic I watched the third episode and the third episode has me like hooked I am oh my god I'm so hooked so it does feel like you do have to invest a little bit um but once you are investing it is such a well-crafted show I think it's actually one of the most ambitious projects that marvel has undertaken in the mcu and i know like they're normally known for like 
the, all the bombs and all of the jumping about and yeah. all of the men going stop doing that stop trying to take over the world but this is like a lot more like it's very character focused it's very unusual um hmm. so i don't think you need to be a marvel stan to like go and watch this i think you could it's, it's very easy to pick up but um you might just need a, a google of one or two things because the theories are kind of what is making a lot of people go back for more because you're like who the fuck is this what's going on yeah. here <laughs> um but yeah i think you could get away with like not even watching any other thing and just ju- jumping in um mm. but yeah i don't want to give away any spoilers but it jumps <laughs> between time and some pe- it, it's about like a fake tv show okay. sort of and some people are aware that they're in this like televised world and they're inside of a trapped inside a sitcom Ooh, and other Truman people show. aren't. It's very like uh, you don't know who knows and who doesn't know what's going on. That's cool. Um, it's it's very clever. Um, I do think that like there is some faults with it and I think it's mostly on Disney's side of things. I think they're releasing it a little bit too slowly because it is like in itself a slow burn show like yeah you're not like it's not like an action-packed marvel movie it is like a slow burn very well like slow paced but i think now would be the perfect time if you want to like catch up on everything to start watching it because there's only nine episodes and i think we're on number seven or eight now um so but i would definitely say if you're going to watch it give it at least three episodes if you're feeling bloody crazy skip the first one (laughs) and just watch a a summary if you're just looking for the style because that's what one of our one of the people in our house did and it worked like they understood everything that was going on right but um if anyone else is dying to know there's just so many theories online so if you're looking for something to distract you this week actually friend of the podcast porik is watching all of the marvel films right now yeah and we recommended letterboxd there the other week the film review and app and it's very funny to watch his reviews of them all going up because like I've kind of mixed opinions on the whole like MCU. Like I have seen I think I think I've seen every film. Um and like I don't know, like there's there's very few that I really, really love, but I've always kept up with them just I don't know, because they're in the cinema and there's something to watch. Yeah. And it's a very long ongoing storyline that you know it's fun. Yeah. Well, it does sound like I've I've actually read a good few reviews about WandaVision. And it actually seems like they've like hit something new with it and they're going a completely like kind of funky direction as opposed to what we're used to. Yeah, so I think like definitely... uh, like while a lot of the MCU has completely changed the game in cinema when it comes to like movies about superheroes, there is something nice when they do have to completely re- take stock and rejig it because like their formula is, is is obviously making them a lot of money but it's it's not going to sustain itself forever they have to begin to change yeah. now so Tell we're me. at a kind of an interesting junction with them where they either are going to decide to begin to change or and you know you don't really know what way it's going to go because i know they're yeah. going to have more series coming to disney plus so like they won't be as film heavy there'll be more series so i'm like interesting this could yeah be. yeah i haven't watched it yet because i was like i don't know what it is with like marvel at the minute I j- i'm just dying for something new like they're branching off in all directions with like little sub things within this and i'm yeah. like i would just actually love s- something new like a new universe to work from because we know well, these we know all these characters so well now and it's just like oh I this is kind of a good new. one it's a little bit of a self-contained world and it is still in the mcu like <clears throat> i'm not gonna 
lie to you and say it's some like magic different planet and we're on doing something totally <laughs> different but it is like a self-contained world around Wanda and Vision mm. that kind of oh, I can't even begin to explain it really don't spoil it don't because spoil I don't even know what the hell is going on to be honest that's one oh of the reasons God. I keep going back yeah. because you're like what the hell is that every yeah, week they, well not every week the first week or two was a bit slow on the take but after that every single week you're like what who are why are you here um <laughs> so yeah it's definitely good if you're one of those people who loves going and like watching fan theory videos i've been watching all the mr sunday movies videos about it who are these like two australian lads who just like talk they have like a podcast i think but their videos are made into they're they're made into like a meme format of their podcast videos so they talk oh, about right. like superhero videos superhero films and they make them into videos it's very funny and they're like gas australians God, are I'd these the meme so youtubers badly. you were talking about no they're my feed food oh spicy tell us yum, your feed yum, food okay i don't know if you know this person but they're called internet historian on youtube they have a huge so. following it's like it's a gas thing if you're into like memes and pop culture and having a bit of a laugh about weird shit from the internet. Um, he is a self-described professor of internet happenings. Because I was like, what? How I do you that. describe this? So that's <laughs> what he says in his description on YouTube. So it's like these very, very daft meme-based edits about real niche elements of pop culture in the last couple of years. So <clears throat> they like have different things that he would like pick up on something so like the latest video is quite a long one now but it was brilliant it was about the costa concordia cruise ship crash what was that remember oh, that, was that cruise the one ship that like that where it like kind Italy? of hit the rocks and it was like slightly tipped over yeah that but it's like 40 minutes long and it is hilarious because <laughs> he goes into all the details of like exactly what happened but it's like explained by a like a weird meme lord vibe um and i oh say God. that like i feel like people who are into memes have a really bad <laughs> reputation because memes yeah you're not selling like, this lisa <laughs> memes are like the alt-right of the internet right now yeah. but it's just so funny because like it's so so well researched and it's such yeah. bizarre accompanying footage that it makes it a bit of a laugh so like you're not just watching a 40 minute documentary on exactly what happened in the costa concordia crash it's also funny it's also funny. Um, if you're looking for a good one to start and get a feel for it, that's a bit shorter than the 40-minute Costa Concordia video <laughs> that I'm obsessed with. There's a really funny one called Brad's Wife. Like so, Brad Pitt? No, even more niche. So <laughs> over in the States, there was this um, woman who worked for a Cracker Barrel and she got fired, okay? And okay her very angry husband brad posted about it on facebook and someone like took um the facebook post and put it on reddit and people then basically started harassing cracker barrel being like justice for brad's wife how dare you fire brad's wife and it became like a really really big meme that was like loads of the other corporations started getting in on it being like we're now hiring but only brad's wife and it like just shows how like a <laughs> meme from an internet forum could get like out of hand and get a little bit corporate but also like have a story and a narrative arc it's really funny yeah um that video makes me laugh anytime i am sad so that's God, my reddit and all of them are just like the wild west of the internet reddit scares me to be honest yeah like 
all of those like reddit 4chan discord all of like that side of the internet i'm terrified of i'm terrified of it that is my dark web (laughs) i don't fuck with that shit that's the dark web (laughs) what's your food food this week yeah i have food food too i have at benji plant on tiktok it's like at benji b-e-n-j-i plant like what you water (laughs) on tiktok and i found benji plant he was on my free you page and he had made what looked like a very very tiny fish tank with like you know pebbles and algae and all these sort of planty looking things and he was basically showing you how to clean this like aquarium terrarium invention thing and i was like that's really cool i was like there's no point to me learning how to clean it because I don't have one. But I'm sure he'll have but a video on how one. to make one. Uh, so I went on his page and he does show you how to make them. And he also shows you how to like, you know, proper... Now this man, like, fucking might as well live in a rainforest. Like his house is literally one giant plant. Like there's plants everywhere. He's and he tells you... Goal. Yeah, like so beautiful. It's like proper, you know, like that aesthetic that's all in there where like plants literally hanging out of every nook and granny um but he he shows you how to like properly take care of each sort of like you know like typical house plants but then also ones that are maybe a little bit you know unusual that like you can probably get here you can probably get them in the garden center um but he shows you how to mine them he shows you how to like propagate new stems um just from like a cutting of a leaf like I know Lisa knows, Lisa's mad for this shit, she knows how to do all this, but you know, if you haven't a clue how to do any of this stuff, he shows you like the best methods for doing it. He I love videos those of, videos are like ASMR, aren't they? They're, they're just so, so peaceful. I was just going to say, his ones are particularly soothing because he has like, um, on the background of them, the music is like, do you know, it reminded me actually a little bit of like, Call Me By Your Name, it's, do you know that really lovely sort of piano-y yeah, vibes? The, the, the guy in it is a cannibal. Yeah. Yeah, the film with the cannibal in it. Um, but the music is really lovely. It's very calming. But yeah, he just like shows you how to build like certain planters. Like he had one up where he'd gotten this like pot that he put in water into and he put like little lily pads and stuff in it. And the lily pads are growing and he like updates it on like the growth of some of his plants and stuff. And it's just like, it's just really wholesome. Yeah, I feel like people watch. who grow plants are good vibes until they start calling themselves plant mom. Then I'm like, no. <laughs> then you're like, good luck, see you later. Yeah, when people are like, oh, you're a bit of a plant mom when they see that I have loads of plants. I'm like, no, I did not birth these out my cooch. I just <laughs> enjoy the ambience. I did not birth these out my cooch. Also, if I did, if I was a plant mom, I'd actually really, really get upset if they died. I think a huge part of like wanting plants yeah. in your house is to totally accept 100% that half of them are going to be dead. Not through, like, it just mightn't be your fault, but you just gotta learn. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta accept mortality. Yeah. (laughs) And on that note... On that note, we will leave you all to ponder mortality. (laughs) (laughs) So, we we hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you did, um, give us a cheeky little follow. We're at ChatChipPod on everything. We're on TikTok, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram... And yeah, we obviously love hearing your opinions on things and we regularly throw up questions and polls and stuff. So yeah, get interacting with us. Be yeah. our friends. <laughs> be, be our friends. Because friendship <laughs> is illegal in lockdown. 
So we're really, really counting on you guys to uh, slide into our DMs because they're freaking empty. <laughs> Spice them up for us there, lads. Yeah. And we will see you next week.